Let's go. Welcome to Citizen. We have no guests today, but I wanted to take this opportunity to talk a little bit about servant leadership. Um, it's a, a concept that I first learned about from people in my chain of command back in the day. <clears throat> um, primarily two of my first sergeants, uh, two men that remain friends of mine to this day, um, Joseph Singerhouse, who's actually been on Citizen, you guys have heard from him before, and then uh, Kenneth Johnson, who has not been on yet, but I will have him on now that he is retired. Um, <clears throat> and then, you know, further ex exploration by me into this subject uh, led me to a man named Robert Greenleaf, who I think in one of the first episodes of the show, Baker Levitt actually mentioned, because he's a big fan of uh, Robert Greenleaf as well. But it's something that's, that's always struck me, um, and it's one of our principles. As you know, um, no matter where I am, I'll be a leader, and leaders eat last. And the idea is that leadership isn't just about being in control of other people. It's about, it, it is about the exercise of, in my opinion, masculinity, which is to say, to provide and protect for your family. You know, the concept of <clears throat> servant leadership is, is obviously, it's one of those things that's timeless. It's why it's a principle, you know, it's a, it's, it isn't something that the circumstances may change over time, but the, so, so the application of the principle may change, you know, as circumstances do, but the, the principle itself never changes. The idea that you are, beholden to the people that are subordinate to you for through whatever uh for whatever reason whether it's your family whether it is uh you know people that you work with or whether it's just people who are weaker in a certain area than you are meaning you know <clears throat> if you're able to perform a necessary task like you know defense or provision or anything like that then you have a responsibility to do so right um and then Robert Greenleaf uh, in The Servant as a Leader, which is an essay he first pu published in 1970. I highly recommend it. If you search for it, you can find a PDF of it for free on the internet. Um, <clears throat> he, he introduced the term servant leadership, although it is, it has gone back, you know, many, many years, uh, the, the principle. But um, one of his quotes is, the servant leader is servant first. It begins with a natural feeling that one wants to serve to serve first, then conscious choice brings one to aspire to lead. Um, the person is sharply different from one who is a leader first, perhaps because of the need to assuage an unusual power drive or to acquire material possessions. The leader first and the servant first are two extreme types. Between them, there are shadings and blends that are part of the infinite variety of human nature. <clears throat> now I wanna jump in to what that means the 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 person is sharply different from one who was leader first um perhaps because of the need to assuage an unusual power drive or to acquire material possessions this is what i mean when i say that people who desire power very rarely deserve it 
and people who deserve power very rarely desire it. And when I say that, people very frequently ask me, well, how do we get people who are, you know, not necessarily inclined to be quote unquote in charge of other people or want to control other people to actually get involved as a leader because, you know, they're, they're not naturally inclined to do so. How do we get these people to be there since they're probably not only more qualified, but more suited to do it? Um, <clears throat> this is how it is the, the leader first, I'm sorry, excuse me, the servant first mentality, which is to say, uh, you know, uh, well, think of the founding fathers, think of these, these men who, you know, put aside their professional lives. And remember, these guys were pretty successful. I mean, John Adams was a successful attorney. Um, <clears throat> Washington was one of the richest people in the richest state. Uh, same can be said of Jefferson, so on and so forth. And at great risk to themselves, their own futures, they decided that the principle mattered more, that liberty mattered more, you know, than their own, I guess, you know, dreams in life, or, or maybe they wrapped themselves up in that dream. But the point of that is, uh, there is a way to not be inclined towards power over other people and still being able to lead other people. And I think it's like, you have to be really careful about becoming cynical about these things. So, uh, another one of the, th <clears throat> one, one of the quotes from, uh, from Greenleaf on this subject is, uh, the difference between servant leader, I'm sorry, excuse me, the difference between leader first and servant first, the difference manifests itself in the care taken by the servant first to make sure that other people's highest priority needs are being served. The best test and uh, and difficult to administer is this: Do these served, do those served grow as persons? Do they, while being served, become healthier, wiser, freer, more autonomous, more likely themselves to become servant and servant leaders? I would add to that. And what is the effect on the least privileged in society? Will they will they benefit, or at least not be further deprived? I think that's an important point as well, and it's one of our. Um, another one of our uh, uh, principles, right? I'll promote a quality of opportunity, but not outcome, particularly when I'm in a position of power and wealth. And then another of our principles um, <clears throat> that, uh, you know, will help all men. Like I'll do something every day to help my country, my countrymen are all men. I like, I like to, to weave these back in because uh, and then, of course, to be a protector is the third one that intersects with this, which is to say, um, uh, excuse me, which is to say, I will not allow those less fortunate or incapable of defending themselves to be harmed or taken advantage of in my country. Right. Like it's what I said before, if you have the ability to do something, especially something that interfaces, I guess, with Maslow's hierarchy of needs you know, safety, security, f food, shelter, things like that. If you have the ability to, to manage these things or create these things or provide these things, if you have the ability to do that, then you have the responsibility to do it. And that's the key difference between 
in my opinion, between a leader first and servant first is the, the servant first is there to make sure people are taken care of. And the leader first is there to make sure them, they themselves are taken care of you. This is the vast majority of politicians are leader first. They think that they have a good idea. So they want to espouse that idea to other people. My position is <clears throat> that you should always start from the position of how, how, how do my skills best translate into helping other people, not to leading other people, but to helping them. If you begin with helping, then the leading will come, right? Because the answer to these questions will become obvious. And all you're doing is providing the answers, you know, and then have providing, I guess, the impetus for a conversation that helps other people understand the answers as well. Excuse me. Um, so what is a servant leader? I think, you know, I like action verbs, as you can tell from the, um, as you can tell from the list of principles. So I like to, def when I define something, I like to, to do it in a way that uses action verbs because you are what you do ultimately in life. It's easy to talk about stuff. It is, uh, quite a bit more difficult to be about it. So Greenleaf says that a servant leader focuses primarily on the growth and well-being of people and the communities to which they belong. Um, America first, for example, right? So it's like, th this is a very old, <laughs> in modern politics, for some reason, <clears throat> concentrating on what's closest to you and taking care of that first has been somehow cast as, you know, racist or, 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 or xenophobic or whatever the fuck. Um, but in reality, this principle has existed throughout all of human history and through most philosophies, both Eastern and Western. And it's, you know, take care of yourself, your, your, your own family first, you know, or, or family is the, the smallest form of government or, you know, get the piece of timber out of your eye before you get the speck out of somebody else's eye. Pretty much every major religion and philosophy has the same general principle that, you are responsible first to what's around you. And it's not, <clears throat> it's not like there's some sliding moral scale. That's just how it works best. Anyways, so a servant leader focuses primarily on the growth and well-being of people and the communities to which they belong. While traditional leadership generally involves the accumulation and exercise of power by one at the quote top of the pyramid, servant leadership is different. The servant leader shares power, puts the needs of others first and helps develop and perform as highly as possible. Now, it's this this part is really interesting to me because if you read, if you take courses on management, business management, um, <clears throat> this idea of sharing power, one of the primary failures of upper level management to mid level management is not giving people the power that they need to perform their duties as a, as a middle management manager. If you take any business class, you'll, you'll probably run into that idea. And, you know, <clears throat> it's hard, especially when you're a business owner, it's hard to like, um, trust other people. It's hard to give up your baby. You know, this is my baby. I created this and now I'm going to ask somebody else to be in control of it. And I have to trust that person to do it. Well, you know, easier said than done, you know, uh, it's, it's, 
I think that's a, a very difficult thing for a lot of people to do. And a lot of it is about selecting the right people. But I would say that at just as much as selecting the right person, you have to, I guess, I guess I'm, I would question what it means to be the right person. Like you have, think of it as a, <clears throat> like a jigsaw puzzle and there's a piece that fits perfectly into that spot. Well, that's not how it works in life. You know, whether it's your personal relationships or your business relationships, um, it isn't always that cut and dry. I mean, you're looking for something that's in the same general shape that you're looking for. Somebody that can be, you know, coached and then, and then you coach them, right? So the impetus is still on you to, to make that effort and develop that person. Um, and there's only a cut, like people, people will work harder. This is broken window theory, by the way, that I'm about to explain just on a grander scale. And I've mentioned this on the show before, but people are much more likely to work much harder and smarter and better and more efficiently if they feel like they have equity in the game. And I don't mean equity in this, in the same way that dum-dums use it now to mean some basically reverse racism. <clears throat> I mean, equity, like ownership, people feel ownership, uh, in, in things and they work harder towards them. And it's all, it also has the benefit of making the thing better, right? This is the, this is the best strategy for the creation and sustainment of any organization, whether it's a government, a country, a business, a family, whatever people are going to put in more effort. If they feel like they have ownership of the thing, whatever it happens to be, their own lives even. So I'll remind you of the quote by G.K. Chesterton that I use a lot. Um, men didn't love Rome because she was great. Rome was great because the men loved her. You know, what does that imply? It implies that <clears throat> if you want your country to be great, if you're a MAGA person, and I don't mean just tied up in Trump, uh, or any of that stuff or any individual personality, but you hear the phrase make America great again. And you think to a time when people that I know a lot of people will cast that as like, Oh, you want to talk about how great it was to have, you know, all the civil rights violations and stuff. No, that's not what it is. We want to go back to a time where people cared about America because we know intrinsically that when the majority of people care about the outcome in America, then the outcome becomes better, not just for the people at the top, but for everybody. When we all do better, we all do better, right? Um, <clears throat> so I want to get into a little, a little background on this stuff, just so you can think about it. And, you know, hopefully you can, you know, we'll, we'll post this on Twitter, this, this episode, and um, you can you can comment on it and we can have conversations and things like that. And that's something that I, I, that I want to start doing with this. But <clears throat> the question is servant and leader. Can these two roles be fused into one real person? Um, and it is that question. It's that question that I sort of asked when I said that people who desire power very rarely deserve it. And the inverse is true as well. Um, it is a difficult thing, I think, to be a well-rounded human being. 
Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but we see this in every major philosophy for pretty much ever, right? I mean, so um, in, in the biblical story of Jesus, for example, you see Jesus ministering to people who are outcasts in society. You see him, instead of having his feet washed by someone, wash their feet instead. Um, uh, you, <clears throat> in Buddhism, you see, you know, Siddhartha Gautama give up worldly possessions and uh, uh, to focus on being a better person. Same thing with Hindu, the more likely you are to reincarnate into something positive is based on, you know, how good of a person you are in giving and being a servant. Um, <clears throat> and uh, one of the five pillars of Islam is about uh, zakat. It's about alms. Um, you donate a fixed portion of your income to community members in need. Uh, and then, you know, if you're a, if you're in a position of wealth or power, you pay for, uh, uh, I guess, alms, you would call it donations to the poor, or you would build the mosque or hospitals or schools or whatever else, right? It, it's considered to be a religious duty. The point of all that is, this is a very common theme throughout all of human philosophy and religion <clears throat> is that, you know, one of the pinnacles of being a human being is leading from a position of, of being a servant to the people you're leading. Right. And it's, 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 I think it's really important. We, we are surrounded by and have been for the majority of human history, completely toxic and oftentimes psychopathic leadership, just megalomaniacs without any control over themselves who have heard how great they are from other people so much that they've truly started to believe it. Now, There's only one way to fight back against that. Uh, I, I know that the the anti-authority spark that a lot of us Americans have inside of us says, "Well, we'll just topple the the leadership. We'll just topple the tyrant." You know, six semper tyrannis. I've got a tattoo on my body, actually, and that's you know <clears throat> certainly something that you should be ready and willing to do when governments become oppressive. I mean, it is part in our Declaration of Independence, pretty clear about what what you're meant to do if a government no longer serves its purpose. But just like with medicine, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. I mean, we're, we've worked, we work ourselves into these situations where we have to do extreme things to get out of them. When if we had just stayed awake, you know, and paid attention to what was going on around us, then we would have been able to stop this stuff from happening in the first place. Now, leadership is something that is given to people, whether it be through inheritance or through a vote or through, you know, just the collective will of the people in some other way other than a vote. <clears throat> but the, the, the idea is that leadership can, or yeah, leadership can also be taken away, right? It is um, the, the people decide this. I hate to quote Game of Thrones, but, you know, uh, the uh, 
the bald guy, I can't remember his name, but he, he liked to say that uh, power resides where men believe it resides. You know, like Tinkerbell. I say this about the federal government all the time. Their authority only exists because we all agree to and believe it. You know what I mean? So this is the way you fight back against routine oppression on a daily or year-to-year basis without letting letting it come to a head where there's some kind of armed conflict or some kind of civil strife or whatever. You're a servant first, right? Because being a servant first cannot be taken away from you. You get to decide that. As I've said many, many times on this show, you can control your attitude and your effort, and that's it. So... There's that I know that we all feel this way that I want to be left alone. I want to do my own thing. Um, you know, live and let live. Um, it's a very libertarian idea. And I, and I feel that same way. Don't get me wrong. Um, <clears throat> but we have to fight that inclination. You know what I mean? In the same way that you have to fight the inclination to walk by a piece of garbage on the ground. It's, it's very easy to ignore problems and, you know, say, well, somebody should do something about that. But you're someone and you should do something, right? When we all expect everyone else to do something about it, then the thing never gets done. Um, and... While I appreciate the live and let live mantra, look at where it's gotten us. Look at where we are now today in this absence of leadership where, you know, we, we get duped so easily by these personality cults. Like I'm too busy or too disinterested or I don't feel like I should be involved in this or I, I shouldn't have power over other people or whatever. And then you get people who are, you know, authoritarians, wannabe tyrants who take advantage of that situation, who, you know, start their political career with $20,000 in the bank and retire 40 years later with hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank. There's only one reason that that happens, and it's because of our indifference. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, it, it's... If you're a servant, a leader or a follower, doesn't matter. You're always searching and listening, expecting that a better wheel for these times is in the making, right? This is an active thing. That's, that's one of Greenleaf's quotes. Expecting that a better wheel for these times is in the making. But you have to be part of that. You know what I mean? You have to be part of the solution. This episode of Citizen is brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee Company. Join the Black Rifle Coffee Club and get fresh roasted freedom Delivered straight to your door. Black Rifle Coffee Company is veteran-operated and supports America's military, law enforcement, and first responders. Get premium coffee delivered every month. Choose your favorite roasts, rounds, and delivery schedule anytime you like. Members also get free shipping and access to exclusive partner discounts. The best value you're going to get from Black Rifle Coffee is the coffee club. As again, you can choose the roast, whether you're like light, dark, or medium. You can choose the texture you can choose whether you want uh, ground coffee whether you want to grind it yourself and get whole bean or if you use a curry and you want the coffee rounds and the delivery schedule with a wider uh, array of options for that 
get 20% off your first order with the code CITIZEN. So go to blackriflecoffee.com, sign up for the coffee club, use the code CITIZEN, and get 20% off your first order. This episode of Citizen is also brought to you by ghostbed.com forward slash drinky bros. Right now, Ghostbed is offering 40% off Ghostbed bundles where you get a mattress and an adjustable base. For everything else, 30% off if you use the code drinking bros at ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros. If you get the uh, 40% off deal, if you use the 40% off bundle deal, you're going to get uh, a mattress and all your stuff, your base, your sheets, your pillows, all this stuff for about 30 to 35 bucks a month. They've got a zero down, zero percent financing plan for up to 60 months, six zero months at five years, uh, about the lifespan of the average bed. So it works out great for you, works out great for uh, the company. So go check it out. Go to ghostbed.com for slash drinker bros. Whether you're in the market for a bed, uh, an adjustable base, whether you just need sheets or pillows or any of that stuff, they got the best. The mattress protector, the weighted blanket, they have everything you need there. 30% off everything. Use the code drinking bros at ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros. Or if you need that adjustable base as well and the mattress, get the bundle and everything else you add onto that deal is 40% off. This episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one toolkit. This summer, HelloFresh is here to take the work out of eating well. I talk about this all the time. Uh, If you're not like me and just eat primarily meat, you want to actually feed your family like a normal human being, um, HelloFresh is a great way to do it. All the ingredients, as is in the name, are fresh, uh, proportioned out. You know, you can, they're also pretty flexible on how you can order things and things like that. Um, uh, You can reach your goals with delicious, calorie smart, protein rich foods and dinner options um if you're stuck in a recipe rut i know a lot of people get into this one of the biggest problems people have with eating healthy is they get stuck in a rut they get tired of eating the same thing over and over well take a bite out of something new with 40 recipes per week that you can choose from with options to please even the pickiest eaters if you've got some in in your family your children or something you always find meals for everyone at the table to enjoy um Ross has used this for years. I've used it in the past. Uh, it's really, really good. Uh, the food's really good. The recipes are great. They're super simple. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's going to save you time from the grocery store. It's going to save you money because, uh, believe it or not, it's uh, relatively inexpensive. And it's going to make sure you're eating right. One of the biggest barriers to this stuff, I'm telling you, is having junk food in your house, not having other better options, or getting bored with the, the food that you're eating. And this is going to solve all those problems, HelloFresh. So go to HelloFresh.com slash Citizen16. That's Citizen16. And use the code Citizen16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. That's uh, HelloFresh.com slash Citizen16. And use the code Citizen16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. And uh, uh, let me know how you like them. Hit us up in the comments on social media and stuff and let us know how you like it. So in the words of Greenleaf, what direction will the movement take you know um it's interesting how these movements like uh the tea party or maga or the newer libertarian movement or on the other side the progressive movement it's it's interesting the, the the shape they take is some kind of confluence between the will of the people and those at the top who would 
uh, you know, I guess manicure it to their own, their own, uh, uh, thinking, right? So people that might, you know, marginalize the actual point that's trying to be made while they, you know, somehow profit themselves. Uh, think about, you know, what feminism and civil rights have devolved into. They, they were certainly necessary, uh, to some degree a hundred years ago, but it becomes an industry. It becomes a for-profit industry. Uh, you know, BLM is a great example of that. It happened almost immediately with BLM where it became a for-profit industry. And this is the kind of leadership that rises to the top in the absence of servant leadership. When people who, when, when there's a power vacuum at the top of a social movement like that, a populist movement, whatever it happens to be, if good people who are servants to the community do not rise to that occasion, then assholes will rise to that occasion. <sighs> Man, and it's, it's just so disappointing because the problem never gets solved. And that's one of the things they say in politics, kind of cynically, People who work in politics will say, well, solved problems don't get out the vote. It's like, <clears throat> your job isn't to get elected. Your job is to fix the problem. And if you can get it fixed in one term and then fuck off forever, then you've done your job. You know, it's not supposed to be a career. So as Greenleaf likes to say, a lot of it depends on whether those who stir the, the pot will come to grips with the age-old problem of how to live in a human society, you know, and and swallow that pill and get involved or whether they will you know wait for somebody else to do a forum and it is the premise of this show you can either you can bitch and moan about your rights and how they're being violated and you can sit around and wait for somebody else to secure those rights for you and you will be a subject under their rule or you can secure the rights yourself by performing the responsibilities required of you as a human being you know, and then you will be a citizen. Only then will you be a citizen. And I think we should start calling ourselves that. I think we should start referring to ourselves, not as civilians or <clears throat> as quote unquote, the public or the people, but we should refer to ourselves as citizens. The way you, the way you talk about things matters. And I think that referring to ourselves as citizens implies both the rights and responsibilities. And it's a different way of looking at things than we have right now, because right now we think of our government as some kind of external, you know, uh, uh, power that exists outside of the people and is in control of the people. But that's not what government is, certainly not the way that the United States government was set up. It's just not the way it's supposed to be, but that's the way we've allowed it to become. So, <clears throat> you know. Greenleaf calls these people affirmative builders of a better society. I really like that phrase. Um, now, he's, he mentions that it's hard to convert people or for people to convert themselves into affirmative build, builders of a better society. And the question is this. <clears throat> how many, this is a quote from Greenleaf as well. How many of them, these people, will seek their personal fulfillment by making the hard choices and by undertaking the rigorous preparation that building a better society requires. It, and it, in his opinion, it all depends on what kind of leaders emerge and how we respond to them, like how we as the public respond to them. Do we have the ability now to tell the difference between someone who is 
just parroting what they think the public wants to hear so they can get elected because they desire power and someone who is a servant to the people and whose ego, because we all have one, is wrapped up in being the best possible servant to the republic as possible. Now, <clears throat> this is the difference between Julius Caesar and his nephew Augustus, in my opinion. Um, Caesar was a bit of a tyrant. You know, he, he had this idea of liberty for people that the, that the, the Roman Senate was corrupt, and it was 100% corrupt. All they did was extract wealth from people. They didn't do anything to help people. Uh, the Aventine, where a lot of the you know, organized crime happened, was ravaging the city. <clears throat> Once um, the Second Triumvirate ended, Augustus Caesar, who is you know, a, uh, certainly a megalomaniac, just like anybody that would declare themselves emperor for life, right over a place technically the uh the 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 council d declared him emperor for life but you know that it was him that did it but he managed to wrap his ego up in making rome the best it could possibly be we call this the pax romana right it's the longest period of peace during the uh, uh any, any period in rome um relative peace anyways <clears throat> so Here's the thesis from, from Greenleaf that more servants should emerge as leaders or should follow only servant leaders. And he, he certainly, he makes the point that it's not a popular one. You know what I mean? People who, pe people who aren't self-promoters, you know what I mean, who just aren't talking about themselves all the time, they don't really get elected that much because there is something about marketing to the public that... I don't know if it's aspirational or, or what it is, or maybe it's just like it's more difficult to get to know a person that isn't constantly talking about themselves, maybe. Um, <clears throat> but this is this this requires a recalibration of American society and how we respond to different types of messaging. Now, there's uh, according to Greenleaf, there's several undemanding, plausibly argued alternatives to choose. So one. Since society seems corrupt, it is a possibility to seek to avoid the center of it by retreating to an idyllic ex existence that minimizes involvement with this, the quote-unquote system. This is what we call being black-pilled, right? Um, people are like, oh, I'm above all this, or I'm just going to go to the woods and, and live in the woods and forget about society. <clears throat> and you know what? Look, it, it is your right to do that, certainly. But if you want a better society... You can't do that. You know what I mean? You can't leave. You can't just abandon your post. You know, you can't, well, you, you, you can do that. You can do all those things and that's perfectly fine. You know, if that's what you choose to do, just don't call yourself a patriot. Don't, don't, don't tell me that you care about America and the American ideal if you're not willing to stand and fight for it because it's not true. That's a lie. That's something you tell yourself to make yourself feel better while you, talk shit to people on Twitter and, and, you know, withdraw from society. And that's, that's not patriotism, my friend, I promise you. Uh, and then there's the assumption that since the effort to reform existing institutions has not brought instant perfection, the remedy is to destroy these institutions completely. So fresh new ones can, can grow. Now, <clears throat> 
it is very tempting to quote unquote, throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? You hear that phrase a lot. Um, but there isn't going to be a perfect version. Um, just like there's no perfect version of your personal relationship. You know, it, those of you who are married, who have been married for a while or who've had lifelong friendships or long business partnerships, you know, this to be true. It requires constant maintenance. And why wouldn't it? Why would we expect to be able to set something up and it just operate perfectly forever? The founding fathers certainly didn't do that. You know, it, it's, <laughs> the tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. You know, um, a republic, if you can keep it. Phrases like this from the founders, you know that they didn't believe that either. They knew that it would take constant vigilance, perpetual vigilance. So you have choices to make, you know. You have choices to make. The, con the Greenleaf says the concept of the servant leader stands in sharp contrast to this kind of thinking. <clears throat> that you should just till the soil every time something fouls and replant. And you will never have roots if you do this. You know, you, it, it's, it's like the biblical parable of the seeds being dropped on the stone and on the good soil and so on. Uh, you won't develop roots. You, you, it'll be a shallow system, which makes it not very resilient to challenge. <clears throat> and again, if you want to opt out, you're, you're, you know, you're able and well within your rights to do that. I just want to make sure that you understand that that is not what patriotism is. Patriotism is standing and fighting, you know, um, the, Founders of this country who were wealthy landowners could have simply moved farther west and probably avoided a lot of the conflict that was going on with uh, the British government. They could have done that. Or they could have cut deals for themselves, paid less tax while the you know regular folk got fucked with by the, by the crown. All these things were possible. You know, but they decided to stand and fight. And that's the legacy of America is looking at tyranny, staring it in the face and saying no. <clears throat> you know, and then it's not an easy thing to do. It, it's, it's understandable that people would take the easier alternative right? The convenient one, which is kind of what we've fallen into now. Ben Franklin said that if you sacrifice security, I'm sorry, sacrifice liberty for temporary security, you deserve neither. Um, but I don't know that he could have imagined that we would have sacrificed our liberty for mere convenience or because we were afraid to lose our jobs or whatever, right? Which is what has happened over the past three years. Quite a few people, you know, it's <laughs> that that would have been unimaginable i would i would assume to a guy who you know was as educated as anybody involved in politics wealthy enough and uh you know a world traveler i i can't imagine that that he would have uh been able to see that coming 
but that's the that's what happens when more and more people you know abandon the quote-unquote system and say well this is all hopelessly broken so now there's nothing to be done about it so i'm either gonna try to tear it completely down or i'm going to withdraw from the process entirely um I just don't think that that's a very noble or responsible way to behave, you know, and it's look the, I, I understand how a lot of this may sound contradictory, you know, um, because we do want, there are, there are institutions in government that we want to do away with like the department of education is pointless the fbi serves no real purpose uh the atf serves no real purpose these these organizations are just standing by waiting to be weaponized against political enemies that's all they exist for but the services that they are meant to provide like public safety that is still a thing that needs to happen right public safety still needs to happen we need good police right we need good educators we need people who are who who will teach our kids how to think how to be resilient problem solvers we need these things what we don't need is government bureaucracy right so when you talk about the system be sure that you're talking about it from a position of solving the problem in the way that it was meant to be solved and not just tearing down and rebuilding all over again because the cost is so very high if we do that, if we tear these institutions down completely, and I don't mean the Department of Education, I mean American education. If we if we tear down the institution, then are you are you ready or even capable of replacing it in a meaningful way that benefits society? And if the answer is no, then all you've done is destruct, you know, or destroy rather. All you've done is destroy. And we're not destroyers here. We're builders. We create things, or at least we used to. And I think if you begin from a position of servanthood, of being a servant to your family, to the community, to your country, to the world, then you think in these terms. Instead of thinking about, well, let's tear this whole system down like these ignorant, skinny white Antifa dickholes in the Pacific Northwest say, oh, we've got to destroy the patriarchy and stupid shit like this. No, we need to build good resilient systems i'm serving my community i'm not just a fucking idiot running around tearing things down i'm building for my country and that's the difference right that is the difference the servant leader is a servant first and it begins as greenleaf likes to say with the natural feeling that one wants to serve to serve first before all other things you know this is something that we've talked about on this show before. Every meaningful thing you do in your life will be in the service of other people. Every meaningful thing you ever do in your life will be in the service of other people. As Gandhi said, if you want to find yourself, lose yourself in the service of others. Like it, it, this, this idea spans all political styles, all religion, all philosophy, all periods of human history. The conscious choice brings one to aspire to lead, right? When you think about service, how do you conceptualize that in your head? It isn't just communities like walking around, picking food up off the ground and shit. 
it may start there. I'm sorry, trash. <clears throat> it may start there. It may evolve into something more direct with people, like feeding people at a soup kitchen or something like that. But you being this aware and taking these active steps towards finding solutions, you have become a servant leader when you start the, the process, when you make these implicit acts. So the later choice to serve is a after leadership is established is a problem. The leader first and servant first are two extreme types. Again, um, it's the difference manifests itself in the care taken by the servant first to make sure that other people's highest priority needs are being served. I said this before at the outset of the show. And the best test, once again, I want to repeat this before we get out of here. The best test to administer is this. Do, the, do those served grow as persons? Do they, while being served, become healthier, wiser, freer, more autonomous, and more likely to become servants and thus leaders themselves? And what effect on the least privileged in society will they benefit or at least not be further deprived? Do something. I will do something every day to help my country, my countrymen, or all men. That's why that's the very first principle on our list. Because when you root yourself in this idea of servanthood, to serve the community with whatever powers you have. If you're smart, think of smart things to say. If you're strong, use your strength to protect people. You know what I mean? If you're a good businessman, use your ability to help build businesses for other people, strengthen our economy, and then use the, the proceeds from that to some degree to, to benefit society. Right? You have any, any skill, gift, whatever you have, it's all designed to be used towards the betterment of other people, right? <clears throat> and you have to choose to do it. That's the difference. Like we are, we are all inclined to help each other. That's why society exists. That's why communities grow because we know that we need each other. Um, sometimes we learn those lessons the hard way and then we have to build afterwards. But I think everybody is kind of born with this innate sense of community. We see it in primates even taking care of each other now certainly there are cliques and there's violence between them that happens uh in every part of the animal kingdom including uh human beings but you know our natural inclination is designed to help other people that we see as family we this psychological principle is called kin selection look that up k-i-n selection and it's the process by which through our human lives we decide who it is that falls under the umbrella of the the family, right, that we choose. Both our natural family, biological family, if you want to call them that, and the people that we choose, friends and, and such uh, throughout the rest of our lives. We had to choose this, though. Even though it is a natural inclination to protect these people or to try to work to benefit these people, <clears throat> you know, in times of great stress, or in times where we take our eye off the ball, human beings become very selfish. You know what I mean? When, when shit goes sideways, when there's scarcity, when there's danger, our inclination is to protect ourselves and the people closest to us first, and that's a good inclination to have. But it is a choice that you have to make. Every single day, you have to choose you know, to be a servant first, First to your family, then to your community, 
and then to whatever else is left. And I'll tell you, uh, one, one thing Greenleaf says and that I agree with is that the person who is a servant first is far more likely to persevere and refine a particular hypothesis on what serves others highest priority needs than the leader first will, because the leader first will ultimately just try to stay in power because it is the power that brought them there. The servant will always try to help other people first. And if you want to live in a world and a society and a country and a community where people are taken care of, where people care about principles, where they care about, you know, America, America first, the idea of this country and what it means, individual liberty, then you have to be willing to be a servant first and let that servanthood turn you into a leader. Now, not everybody's going to be a politician. Not everybody's going to have a management position at their work, but everybody can be a leader in some way or another, you know, <clears throat> uh, people are going to be leaders among in their friend groups. People are going to be leaders at work. People are going to be leaders of their families. Men are going to be leaders of their household. Women are going to be leaders of their children. You know, th these things are going to happen. Uh, and you have to be ready and willing. And if you get the higher calling, if you have the ability to grow beyond your local leadership group, then all the better. But if we don't do this, if we don't start as servants first, then we allow the power vacuum at the top to attract the worst possible people among us. I mean, think to yourself right now, which politician do you trust? Because I can't think of one. And there's only one way to replace these people. There's not going to be some <clears throat> grand restructuring of American politics. You know, there's not going to be a civil war between who and whom and over what. That's not going to happen. The only solution to this is if servants of the community, true servants of the community, become leaders. And that is the, the call to all of you. How are you going to be a better servant? And how are you going to demand that of other people, which is the implicit act that makes you a leader? Um, thank you for listening today. This has been an episode that I've wanted to do for a while. Appreciate you listening. Um, Please get in the comments and tell me what you think about servant leadership uh, and read Robert Greenleaf's um, essay, The Servant as Leader. It's one of my favorites, and we'll see you next time. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.